0: 2020. I'm so pumped about 2020. I, I, you know, and you can say, Cricket, you're just trying to motivate people. I'm not trying to motivate you. I'm telling you the truth. You're at a different season at a different time. Not every moment is the same. I'm, I'm here to tell you, before Jesus was born, you know, for years, hundreds of years, people just kept anticipating that God was going to do this thing. And they had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And some generations. I don't know about you, but a lot of times in my spiritual walk, I have felt like God had a carrot on a stick on a string, and it was hanging in front of me, and so you would hear people preach, or you would hear people minister, and it's like every time we would take the steps, and the carrot just kept moving farther and farther down. It's like you've seen the old cartoons where they're riding on the buggy, and they got the carrot hanging out over the donkey. Have you ever felt like, for years, at different points, I'd feel like, God, you're dangling this carrot in front of me. Am I ever going to get to eat it? Let me tell you something. This is your year. 2020 is not the same. Not every moment in time is the same. As a matter of fact, when time changed. When Jesus died on the cross, it shifted A-C to B or B-C to AC. AD <laughs> Things changed. Another moment that was not the same was when Jesus told 500 to go into the upper room. When they went up to the upper room, not everybody took advantage of it. 120 went. And so out of 500, 120 actually obeyed, went there, and they got what God said. And that was the first time it had happened. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if the ones that Skip got it either. Because it never, I know a lot of people got it later, but they didn't never make reference to the ones that were told to go and did it. Not every moment is the same. You need to know that. Not every moment is the same. You can miss out on the things of God. I'm here to tell. I have done it. I've sat on the sidelines. I missed out. I, I did a, a funeral for a gentleman here uh, just last week. And boy, not every moment is the same. About five years ago, that gentleman came to me and said, Hey, man, I want to sell you this piece of property. And um, he was telling me about it, and I wanted the piece of property. He said, uh, I'm on, bro, I'll make you a deal. He said, uh, uh, what we'll do is I want you to have it so much, I will offer it to you for 38000 And I was like, well, I don't got 38000 right now. And he said, well, you know, I'll let you pay it out. And I wanted to so bad, but I didn't do it. And I, I kept, I kept saying, "All right, well, I'm going to come back and see you. I'm going to come back and see you." And I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And well, about two years ago, somebody approached this gentleman, and for the same piece of property, he offered it to me for thirty-eight thousand. He sold it for five hundred and I want to say eighty-five thousand to the Fairfield Inn, right up here behind McDonald's. And I could have bought that for thirty-eight thousand. Not every moment's the same. Do you know how many times I've kicked myself for not going over and just starting making pay? I would never paid it off. And I was, it would have been amazing for it. but long story short, not every moment's the same. And I'm here to tell you, 2020 is not the same year as 2019 was. 2019, it was a different kind of year for me. There were areas that I came in great victory in in my life and felt like we fought in victory, but there were areas that I walked into 2020 still fighting in those areas. And I felt like, you know, it was an up-and-down year, a struggle year. Uh, sometimes I was just having to hold on to the faith that I had. But I'm here to tell you, there's something different about 2020. We're a new year. You say, okay, we're way into this. It's already February. I know, but I haven't got to preach very much in this campus this year. So you're getting my New Year's message continuing on. And so, this is not the same year. Even to go Greek in, I call it geek in Hebrew, but and geek in Hebrew with us, the, the Jewish calendar year is the year uh, 1850 or 5780. Now this is not just a new year, it's a new uh, decade. We're going into a new decade. 2020 is a new decade. And you need to know something about numbers in the Bible. They mean something. I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual, but numbers mean something. And if you, if you do your research, you know everyone, and the, the number 10, a lot of times people look at the number 10 as being testing because of the 10 commandments and then the 10 plagues. But what I, I, there's also another camp that looks at it as it is a 10 is the number for breakthrough. Because see at ten at the 10th plague, they were set free. You Jesus said, how do you etern- uh, get eternal life? He said, you keep the 10 commandments. And so it's a point of breakthrough. I'm telling you this year, this decade is going to be a year of breakthrough. It's not going to be a year of testing. We've been tested. How many of you guys feel like you've been tested? All right? 2019 was a testing year. You're about to get breakthrough in 2020. Now, they, I sent them a picture in the year... Um, 5780, that's the Jewish calendar year. They run on a different calendar than we do. And the reason why they run on a different calendar, this is a, de- a year of a decade, and their, their alphabetical symbols also show pictures. I'm just showing you this not to try to make you think I'm smart, because I'll probably say most of it, pronounce most of it wrong. But the, the Jewish calendar is done with symbols. And the symbols also have a representation of pictures. In the year 5780, it's the picture of the word pi which means mouth. And so, you know, going into this year, this will be the decade of mouth. What does that mean? Two things is what um, theologians believe in this stands for. One will be what you say you will have. What you declare at your mouth... It will be. Now, it's, are, you, are you saying that I'm one of those hypersensitive persons saying name it, claim it? No. No, I'm saying the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And your tongue is like a rudder. And your tongue will set the direction of your life. And you need to understand, there are, not every moment is the same. What we say... We will live over the next ten years. If you say you've got the worst husband in the world, guess what? He's going to be the worst husband in the world. If you say that it's always going to be like that, got to, it's going to be a year of controlling what we say. Because whatever you speak in this decade is the year of the power right? going into this. It also is not just a, the year of a word, but it's also the year of a meal. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. And so, through that up there, that's not what we're preaching. I'm just laying it out for you. Because... um You know, this will be a season and this will be a year, and I've already begun to see it unbelievably unfold in people's lives. Things that they've been praying for years about already got unfolding and they're actually walking into it this year. Where's Yvette at? Yvette, stand up. That man's fixing to get married to one of the godliest women I know. You know how long I know that man has been believing God to send him a godly mate to be able to walk into the ministry with and be able to... I'm watching that happen this year. I watched him last year speak that. My wife's going to be a godly woman. I'm going to be at the ceremony in March when he puts the ring on her finger and I'm going to see him marry a godly woman that will be a part of the ministry in this church. He I've seen, I, if you knew how many even relationships in this church already this year that people have been praying for answers and God's already brought in the right relationships. I'm not going to embarrass people but you can see Stacy sitting over there. Yeah? And <laughs> I mean, the right kind of relationship. She might as well... Her name is Jerry. We're just going to put you on the spot because we're family. But... Things that people have prayed for. We've already seen it come about. I mean, even in jobs, I'm, I'm seeing already people getting jobs. My wife, now, she, she's always been a hard worker, always, but she's always dreamed of having a, a training and recruiting job, but she does she does real estate. But God, this year has shifted her. She is a regional director, or regional whatever it's called, where she just trains people and teaches people and it provides a lifestyle for her. It's her dream job. She told me... Just as with cricket, this is my dream job. I'm telling you all this to say this, because in 2020, it is what you say you will have. It is an opportunity for us to taste and see. You will why everybody wants their cake. They what's the hell saying you want your cake and you want to eat it too? Why would you want cake if you couldn't eat it? God would never want you to have cake if you couldn't eat it. But there's been a lot of times I felt like my cake was dangling. But now this is going to be a season where it won't just be you got cake. You're going to get to eat it too. Amen. It's the year of the mouth. Malibu- and I said you say, that's that Jewish stuff. Well, let's get into the 2020. All right. So, this is 2020. That is the Jewish of You So okay, I don't get that far into it. Well, let's go into our calendar. Let me tell you what this decade will be for us in our year. 2020 represents vision. Now this is not just any old ordinary year of vision. Because every year you can get a vision from God. But this will be a year of manifested vision. Everybody say manifested vision. Now you've got to understand. Manifested vision is different than regular vision. Because manifested vision means this. You will get what you see. Just like you're going to get what you say. As you say it, you will get it. They will, could they will, or it, it will be a year of manifested vision, amen. I believe the things that you see, you will get this year. And so, I believe it with all my heart to the point that I have heard God tell me things personally in my life. And you say, Well, Cricket, I don't know if God really does speak. Can I tell you a funny story? Probably the funniest event I've ever had being a pastor, and I've been a pastor. I was a youth pastor, children's pastor for seventeen years, and I pastored some wild kids, and I've had them say some crazy stuff. But I was in a service Wednesday night, and I was preaching, and um, one one young lady had just gotten out of jail two weeks ago, and she was she was um, this was only her second service with us, and she had just gotten saved as she came out of jail, and um, so I was preaching about. You know, how God speaks and how God has spoken in the past. And I said, you know, you know, He speaks through, He has spoken through the light. You get He speaks audibly. You know, I was going through all the, the still, small voice and all that. She goes, raise your hand. I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, now, you're going to have to pardon my French because this was, um, this was somebody that, I mean, with the most sincere heart I have ever seen. She just got out of jail. She's about twenty-one years old. Just gotten saved. She wrote, "I said yes, ma'am." She goes, "Is it true? God speaks through our butts?" And I said, "What?" (laughs) The room was full of people. She goes, "Is it true? God speaks through our butts?" And I said, "I I don't know what you're asking me." (laughs) And she goes, "She goes. Well, when I was in jail, I read. I was reading the Bible." And I read a story in the first part of it that said God spoke through his butt. And then it hit me. And I almost collapsed. I almost did not get back composure. Because I had to explain to her that in the King James Version, the word A-S-S means donkey. And it does not mean butt. <laughs> but as sincere as she could possibly be. She said, Pastor... It, when God speaks, does He do it like that? And I was like, I said, I said, I said He's spoken through animals for sure, but I've never heard a reference to somebody hearing God speak that way. I said, but I'm not putting it beyond God. I mean, but i never heard that said before, and that, that just touched my heart on this point. Somebody so open heart was reading the Bible, and it defined. What God was like and how He was, and that was literally. She took the most literal meaning out of that. And but, it, it show me uh, when people don't grow up around the Bible and they don't understand King James. The, it just blew me away. I've been laughing about. It. I called Dad after service so. like Dad <laughs> never had this happen. I said I almost didn't get the service back. And uh, but that it's this sweet young lady, but uh, sincere. It's just funny how you know you can misinterpret a lot of times what God says. And like they went, <laughs> like they said, how many I said, so I, I told you, I said, how many parts of the Bible have I misinterpreted reading on my own? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, but maybe not at that extreme. I <laughs> said, that to say this, God does speak, and I'm telling you for sure, God told me, and not just me, go to listen to any major camp in the country, uh, or in the world right now, speaking about what these, this season is. One One very respected minister said this is the first month, or last month was the first month of the first year of a year of seven years of plenty. I received that. You say, well, Craig, you're just speaking good. No, you, you know us. I, I'm, I'm real. I call it like it is. Um, if if I, because I like you to tell me like it is, if I walk up and you look at me and you say, you man, you look so good. And then I go look in the mirror and there was a booger on my face. I'm mad at you because I didn't look good. You saw that. I, I like you to tell me like it is. And so I have, there's been years, there's been years of testing. There'd be years of holding on. There But this is a year that's different. This is a year of vision. And not just any old year, it is a year of manifested vision, and so my goal going into this year is making sure that everybody that is desiring something from the Lord, first of all, we understand how to get vision because you need to understand not everybody knows how to have vision. Helen Keller said this there 's nothing more sad that somebody has sight but that has no vision because you can actually be looking around down here and not have vision in your life because you don 't see with your eye, you see through your eye. And we'll get into all this kind of stuff. But the Bible says this. The Bible says Abraham was sitting in a tent looking around at what he had and what he didn't have. And he was sitting in that tent and he was telling God, God, I don't have a son. You, you promised me a son and I don't have a son. And I got all this money and I'm blessed in so many ways and that doesn't sound real bad, does it? But somehow he was taking all this blessing and all these things that he had in a negative way and he says, I have no one to leave him with. I'm going to have to leave them with my servant, Eleazar. And, and so, I, God, why can't you see? Come in this tent with me and look at my problem. Well, his problem doesn't sound real bad and it looks a lot like what a lot of us had 19 with you know what I'm saying God had blessed us in some areas but there were some areas we still we knew God wanted us to do other things but what was happening was we were wanting God to get into our situation and look what we're missing instead of recognizing God didn't bless us and get us this far to take us back again and he was trying to get God to get out of heaven and get into his tent but that's not what God does The Bible says, God says when we pray, pray, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not get on earth in my mess and then try to... So the Bible says this, God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, get up and step out of your tent. Because you need to understand something. If you're sitting in your situation, all you can see is what you don't got. All you can see is what's wrong. All you can see, that's all you're going to have this year. But see, God said, oh, you got to get out of this tent. It says he stepped out of the tent. Then he said this. He said, look up to the heavens. And he said this next statement. He says, if you are able. You need to understand, not everybody's able to see what God's doing. Not everybody's able to see that God wants to do something in their life. So my goal, the first part of this year, is to get you to be able to see what God has for you this year. Because if you can see it, it will be a year of manifested vision. And He said, look up into the skies. In other words, get your eyes off what's going on on earth and get to looking, if you're able, to be able to look up to heavens and see. It says, you can't even count the stars. If you are able to count, that's how many kids you're going to have. That problem you see you don't have, if you can get yourself to a place where you can look up to me and see what I can do, you will be able to have what I have for you. It will be a year of manifested vision. Then this is, the Bible says this, there were certain things that affected people's vision. Do you know one of the number one miracles Jesus did on this earth was open blind eyes? That's what He did. Out of the 37 miracles, there were seven people that were actually written in the Scripture that Jesus healed them from blindness. Plus, all the times that the miracle that says he walked into a city and all of them were healed. We don't know how many times actually eyes were open, but we know there were seven actual individual recordings. There was no other miracle he did more than open blind eyes in a type of time. He did with more people individually like that than any other miracle. You need to understand this because, see, if you don't know what God can do for you, you need to get a vision for what God is wanting to do for you because if you can see it, you can be it. And then the Bible says this. The Bible says it is proof that He's God. John the Baptist sent His, his um, disciples to Jesus and they said, Jesus, says, uh, John sent us here to see if you're really the one. And Jesus said this, go back and tell John what you see. Blind eyes are open. I'm here to tell you, it's hard for Jesus to be your Jesus if you keep your eyes, spiritual eyes blinded from what He's trying to do. The Bible says in Isaiah, it says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, and this is prophetic of who Jesus is. It says to open blind eyes. One of the easiest ways for God to be God or Jesus to be in our lives is for us to get a vision from God. So that's what I'm going to go after here, first of all, this morning. And I believe there are some people that say, Cricket, I want to see it. I want to see it. I believe before you walk out of here, you will. Because I know this, the Jesus that was opening blind eyes in the... Bible. He's still here opening blind eyes today. So there is a though an anatomy of a vision. In Habakkuk 2, Joe, you mind bringing that up for us? In Habakkuk 2, there's an anatomy of a vision and I love the way it lays it out. How God lays it out from the very beginning. I may not have gave those notes, huh? So Habakkuk 2 verse 1. We'll just start right there. It says, here's the anatomy of a vision. It says, I will stand my watch. Now, it didn't say he started off seeing. He says, I will stand my watch. We'll go through each one of these here in just a minute. And set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Alright, let's keep going. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain. On tablets that he, that run, who may run with it, uh, that he may run who reads it. Let's keep going. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end I will speak. It will speak. What will speak? The vision will speak. It says, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will. And this is my favorite part of it. Everybody say, surely. Yeah. Surely come. When it says surely, you can take it to the bank. Surely come. It will not tarry. You know, you say, That's that's a lot of. Um, that's a real Bible sounding. I agree. I agree. And so I'm, you know me. When I, when, I, when I hear from God and things, it's God would speak to me things and I will read things. And I'll be like, God. But I, I just don't understand that exactly. And then God has to take it to me and tell it to me in a story because I'm a story kind of a guy. So that's why I said, going into the year, I said, God, what story can you show me this? What story can I actually see this work? And so the Lord took me to this story found in Mark chapter uh, 4. And it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Now, Mark chapter 5. I'm sorry, Joe. Luke chapter 4, but it's Mark chapter 5. So we're going to take just a minute, and we're going to take what we just read in Habakkuk, and we're going to overlay it on this story about the woman with the issue of blood. Because if you can see it, I'm here to tell you, you can be it. First of all, I want to talk. start off just with the principle of this. Um, just because you have issues don't mean you can't get vision. A lot of times we think, man, if I can just get my life right, if I can just start living right, if I can quit death, Just because you got issues, don't mean you can't have vision. As a matter of fact, you're always going to have issues until you get vision from God. In other words, you—you. it doesn't matter what kind of shape your life is in right now. You may have so many issues, you can't see how God could change any part of your situation. Issues don't keep you from having vision. Now, the King James Version calls it an issue. The Bible says in the King James, it says that... Let me get to The Bible says that she... Well, um, I've already messed up all my scriptures. It starts reading off in King James, in the King James that it says that there was a certain woman who had an issue... Of blood, and she had suffered from it for 12 long years. Now, I don't like how the King James necessarily says it because it says there, a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. Because as long as you let whatever's going on in your life be an issue, you've got a marriage issue, you've got a money issue, you've got a health issue. Issue. You've got a a uh, relationship issue. You've got a brain issue. You've got an addiction issue. As long as it's an issue, you will see it as keeping you from being able to get where God wants you to be. So I'm not knocking the King James, but I want to jump this same scripture over into the New King James because they come out of the same words. They're just translated into different meanings as time went by. Different meanings meant different things. And so here in the New King James says, "A certain woman had a flow." Man, I like that much better. Because the Bible says this. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And who are called according to His purpose. Now, what you've been feeling is an issue. You need to understand God wants to use it as a flow. Now you say, well, what is a flow, cricket? If you look up in the dictionary what a flow is, it is a current, a movement, a running, of something into more usually like a stream or a river running into a certain direction in other words it's something moving from one place to another in a current or in a stream or in a movement see god wants your issue not to be a stopping block for you this year he wants your issue to be a flow in other words the very thing that the devil's put into your life to stop you he wants to use to draw him cl- to draw you closer to the lord see the devil put this issue in her life to kill her the devil put this into her situation to stop her, to discount her, to exclude her, to put her out. The Bible says she was unclean because of the kind of issue it was. And it was going to disqualify her from being able to do anything for anybody, even herself or God. But see, now God doesn't allow issues to stop you. What God does is takes issues, and if you allow Him to make them a flow, in other words, the thing that you thought the devil was keeping you back from, you let that thing make you move closer to. God, it becomes a flow. And so what you thought was disqualifying you will be the very thing that draws you into the place where God can actually begin to use you and develop and manifest things in your life. So she started off with this issue of blood. Now, the problem with an issue of blood was no matter what came in, it was always coming out. She couldn't keep her life from flowing out. So she was walking through life empty and drained all the time. I don't know about you. But the enemy in times past have tried to make me feel like I didn't have enough. I was always running on empty. I was barely having enough to get by. And I can see this picture with this lady because her life, it was an issue of blood. And blood's considered to be the, the source of life. It's the And so when you take the blood away, you take the life away. And so she was constantly, it was like her life was just flowing out. She couldn't do anything about it. So she was running on empty all the time. Now, in... The Bible says in uh, John 10.10, 10, in the CBD, or the CEB vision, Joe, you ain't going to find this one. but I mean, you could, but it's the uh, common translation. I want to read it to you. It's the common English translation translation, but it says this in John 2, 10, John 2, 10 New King James says, "The thief comes but yet to steal kill and destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Well, what does that abundantly look like? This is what it says here. It says, "The thief enters only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come so that you may have life indeed, so that they may have life and life to the very fullest. How many of you guys are dreaming about a full life in your life today? but you are a life so full of something that it 's not just draining you out all the time. Now, I brought this in here with you real quick. I want to show you real fast how to get that life to the fullest. Now, I've got a completely empty little jug here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to fill it up. Now, I'm going to set this right down inside of here. Boom. Now, when I look at that, how many guys by the right hand would say, that jar is pretty full? That jar is full. All right? Now that jar is full. But the thing about it is, it is full. But also, there's still room. So, let me see here. Right, add a little bit more. Shake it all around. We could do the hokey pokey. <laughs> Glad my mind's not the only one that works that way. All right. Shake it all around. Now, how many guys would agree now that that jar's full? All right. Now, a lot of times my life gets to where I don't think I can handle anything else and it's full and, and you know what I'm saying, this is all I need, but then I'm still lacking because there's so space. But the truth is that jar is still not full. There's still more room. And so if I sit here and shook on around, sugar, see there's all kind of air spaces I can feel in this jar. I keep adding and adding and adding. Now, there's a lot of times my life feels like this. So full of so many things that I don't think I can handle anything else. But then what I love about it is this no matter how full my life is, there's always room for the Holy Spirit. Alright, so I'm gonna show you though. And so I could sit here and pour, and the Holy Spirit would saturate this whole thing. Now, how many guys would agree if I continued to pour this, then this jar would be full? Alright? Problem is most people don't know how to get their life full you got so much stuff to put in it that you can't get it all in because just a little bit of it. Let me tell you the secret to living that full life, the fullest you can be. You have to start putting the big rocks in first. If I would have done this in any other order, I couldn't have got this much in. I'm here to tell you this year. This year going into it, if you're going to live a manifested vision, you better make sure you put the big rocks in first. And the big rocks are going to be the things that keep you grounded to the Holy Ghost and grounded to God, grounded to your church, grounded in the Word. I'm telling you, this year you will not manifest a life to the fullest if you don't make sure you got the big rocks in there first. And your big rocks are the things that draw you closer to the Lord. So get your big rocks in. You will begin to live another life. We're going to get into the story now. And this is what we're going to talk about. I've got just a couple points that I'm going to let you go. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that she had an issue of blood. God wants to take your issue this year and make it a flow. He wants to be the very thing that you thought was stopping you. Be the thing that God draws you to And this is what the Bible says, though. The Bible says that she had went and sinned for twelve years, spent all the money that she had, had, seeking help from physicians. And one of this. Now, this story is found in three different gospels. It's found in Luke. It's found in Matthew, and it's found in Mark. Now, I believe if you if you're not up with what the Bible, the way the Bible is written and things, you say, well, you know, why are the same stories in the Bible so many times? And, um, I believe this because, you know, there were four gospels all written on the same account of Jesus, because there are always several different ways of looking at things. Amen. And so I believe God put this story in there three times because there are three ways that you can look at this year coming into it. One, you can look at it. With your perspective, and your perspective is going to be like the first part of this story. That it says this: it says that she had been sick for twelve years, and that she had suffered for a long time. She done everything she could do to fix it, and she's still stuck with this problem. As a matter of fact, one of the gospels says her issues even got worse. It says she had suffered from many physicians, and she even that even the condition had gotten worse. If you want to look through this year through your perspective, that's what it's. Going going to look like. Don't matter how hard I try, I can't ever get ahead. Don't matter what I try to do, there's always something going to pull me back. Don't matter what I invest in, I don't have enough, I'm not enough, I don't feel good. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And that is usually the perspective that we have. Because what happens is human perspective is not Good perspective all the time. You know, uh, the, as a matter of fact, when, we even, when they even translated the Bible over, we kind of put some topics or titles on stories that actually tell the contrary to what the stories are for. Like, how many of you guys have ever heard the story of the prodigal son? Heard the story of the son? Alright, well, why did we not call it the son, the story of the redeemed son? Because that's the way the story ended. But we title things a lot of times the way the story begins. But we don't title it what God has done through the end. Here's the story with the issue of blood. How many of you guys have ever heard the story of the, woman, the, story of the adulterous woman? The one that came and threw at Jesus' feet. See, that's not the way the story ended. That was just what we decided to put a title on it. Because in the original translations none of those titles are there. It's not until you're reading in the New King James Version, that you see those titles, and what you know, that's not the way the story ended. And if you want to keep looking at these situations through human perspective, you're right. You're probably not going to get your situation to change. You're probably not going to get your marriage repaired. You're probably not going to get over this sickness. Because, see, human nature is not the end-all-say-all all, unless it's what you repeat. Now, there is another perspective here, the devil's perspective. And the Bible, the devil tells us in John 10.10 10, what the devil's perspective is. I come to kill, steal, and destroy. So this woman at the very beginning of the story, you can see she's somebody that the devil has targeted, decided that I'm going to cause events to happen in her life and she will be destroyed by this. She will die, she will be limited and she will not go forward in what God has created her to be. And so that's what the devil is saying that this is the end. It will not. You will not get through this. This will be the death of you. It will it started, and, it, and we don't know why it necessarily started. Now, there are three different theologian beliefs in this system on how this issue started. One theologian belief is this, that, that she, when she was born, she had a genetic issue. And so when she hit the age of maturity, this issue of blood began to flow. And so it was a genetic thing. She was born. Into this problem, there are some people in here. The devil's convinced you that you were born into the situation that you're in now. You were born into a house of alcoholics, so you'll always be an alcoholic. You were born into a situation that you had no say in, because it's always been that way, and that's what you come from. That's what you're always going to be. Then there's another th- uh, thought pattern. On theologians believe that she got this way is when she necessarily wasn't born with it, but. What happened in those days when the Roman Empire came and took over Jerusalem, what they did was the Roman soldiers began to come in and they began to monitor and police the area. When the Roman soldiers came into it, they, um, some theologians believe that she built a relationship with a Roman soldier and there, at the time there were S.D.T.'s, <laughs> SD <laughs> SDDs, rampant at those times in and among the Roman soldiers and one of the ones that were there would produce this issue that she was dealing with and they believed that she built a relationship with the wrong kind of person and so out of that relationship came out of mistakes she made out of weaknesses or failures that she did she found herself with the issue now that she would live with the rest of her life and she would die from I'm here to tell you, see the devil's convinced some of us in here that we're dealing with these issues because. because. Because of the mistakes we've made, things that we've done—that it's not necessarily we came out of—but things that we've done that you know we we think that what the mistakes we made in 2019 are more powerful than the blood or the word of Jesus going into 2020, and you think mistakes will keep you from being or having what God has for you. Another train of thought was that not necessarily was she did she make the mistake, but the Roman. Soldiers were notorious for uh, abusing and raping people when they found them. And so some say that what happened was she could have been taken and she could have been raped. This issue came about because of what somebody else did her or how she had been wronged. Someone took advantage of a young girl, and now she's paying the consequence for it. The enemy wants to tell you this there's been people in your past, in your life, that have hurt you, and the issues that they put on you have limited you and stopped you in 2019. But I want here to tell you, they don't have to stop you in 2020. You got to get the vision of this that it doesn't matter if you were born with it, doesn't matter if it was your fault, doesn't matter if, it, if somebody else did this to you. It will stop this year if you can see that God can change your situation. So, Going into this, it says she was a woman with an issue of blood. And then it said that she'd been sick for 12 years, but then something happened. And the Bible says this. It says, and she had heard Jesus was coming by. One of the gospels said this, and someone told her about Jesus. But I like the one that says, and she heard Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you, you say, Cricket, I don't necessarily know what God wants for me in 2020. I want to take you through the anatomy of a vision, okay? Here's, the, here's how to get a vision. A vision don't start with now. I, I've had very few, what I would say, spiritual gifted visions. In other words, where um, like Peter saw a blanket come down out of the sky and it had animals all over it, and you know all that. I've never, I've seen one or two things from the Lord, and that was different circumstances. I didn't see the blanket, but I've seen different things in my life. I, I one time saw a vision of walking up on a field, and it was like the rose were growing, and in this field had a. The rows were all plowed, and this row had corn growing in it. But then it skipped like four or five, and then this one had. Gone, and I was like, "God, what are you showing me?" He said, Craig, You will only. You will only." grow harvest in, in areas that you plant in and it changed my life completely so I started planting into my marriage I started planting into my kids I started planting because if you're just wanting somebody to come in and raise your kids for you if you're dependent on our youth pastors to raise your children godly you're going to get to the end of your harvest season and look at your kids and they're not going to be a harvest it's your job to plant in your fields to make sure there's going to be a harvest can't count on the children but you can't count on a pastor to be the only one feeding you the word you got to get up and get in it yourself where you plant it and that Lord showed me that, and it was so clear, so it changed the way I live my life. But this is not the kind of vision I believe that you're going to have this year. See, it didn't say somebody told her about Jesus, and all of a sudden the clouds opened up, and there was this angel waving, saying, Go there, you'll be healed. You go, no, no, it says she heard you. In other words, what they had told her created a vision on the inside of her. You say, well, what does that sound like? What does that feel like? Well, visions always come in the form of the Word of God. Now, go back to Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll break it down real quick. It said this. It says, I will see what you say. That is the anatomy of a vision. You say, well, Cricket, how do I get a vision from God? What you do is, it's your responsibility to hear what God says. Because when you hear what God says, you will see what God says. Here it says this. It says, I will stand and watch and set myself up. And I will watch to see, not what He does, or not what He shows you, or not angels in the sky. It says, he will show you, you will see what you say to me. You say, well, Craig, how, how do I get a vision? If you've never heard God speak personally in your life, it, the, t- the truth is you have. You just didn't recognize it. God's been speaking to every one of us. He don't have favorites. You're His favorite. So He's probably been speaking to you more than anybody else on the entire planet. But what it is? we don't recognize the voice of God most of the times in our life. As a matter of fact, the voice of God is something that must be learned to hear. The cool thing about it is He gave us all kinds of ways to learn to hear the voice of God. And the best way to start out you hearing the voice of God is you see what He said. So you get in your Bible and you find a scripture dealing with your issue. And you see what God said about it. And when you see what God said about it, what He's saying about your issue will do this. He will say opposite of what you're dealing with. In other words, if you're dealing with sickness, He will say, it's in First Peter 2.24, by His stripes, you were healed. So He's saying your sickness is healed. And so you have to get in there and see it. And then when you see it, you know it's the voice of God for you. When you can get... Um, I've learned this. There are two voices that are prophetic, and I've shared this lots of times in our lives. That There's the voice of fear, and there's the voice of God. Both of them feel the exact same. They feel just the same because... Fear will tell you something that you don't see is going to happen. And faith will say something that you don't see is going to happen. Now, it's hard a lot of times to tell the difference between fear and faith. But I've learned this. There's a difference. And the difference between fear and faith is kind of like the difference in Coke and Diet Coke. Or Red Bull and Diet Red Bull. They They taste so much alike. But the aftertaste always is a telltale. I don't know if you've ever went to a restaurant and you ordered a Coke and they gave you a Coke and you drank it, and you, that's diet. You couldn't tell at first when it hit you, but it was the aftertaste that kind of gave it away. Let me tell you the difference between the voice of fear, which is a spirit. Paul says God didn't give us a spirit of fear, and so spirits are prophetic when they speak in our life, and the voice of faith. They will feel the same, they will sound the same. The difference is the aftertaste. You will be able to identify, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Meaning there are voices speaking. The aftertaste is this, faith will always have the element of hope. When it's God speaking, He will say, by His stripes we are healed. You'll be like, wow, I would sure love for God to heal me. That's a voice of faith. The voice of fear says this, the doctor said it's cancer, you're going to die. And boom, you have the aftertaste for fear is dread. You're like, oh, I don't want that to happen. And so you have to be able to decipher between the two. They will both feel risky. They will both feel out there. But you'll have to tell by the after days. Which one brings about hope? Because, see, faith cannot be had without hope. You can tell what God's wanting to do in your life by what God is saying. And when He says it, you see, and it causes hope to rise up inside of you. This year, what are you hoping God will change in your life? This lets you know where to start looking for your vision. What are you hoping God will change? Are you hoping God will change your job? Are you hoping God will change your financial situation? Are you hoping God will save your children? Are you hoping because this will let you know the vision that God wants you to go in? Because the Bible says this. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you got to start looking for where the hope is. See, when she heard Jesus was coming by, she heard that there's something else I can do. There's another chance for me to be healed this jesus might could be my answer and let me tell you this to answer that question jesus is always the answer. And you don't know that yet? You've not heard God speak it clear enough to you? See, she's wasted years trying to find... Why do we always start putting in the sand and the rocks, and not start putting in the rock, the big one, in the first place? Jesus is always the answer. And see, when she heard that Jesus was coming by, she got hope. She knew. She, this was a vision. She Out of that, she was able to see, maybe there's a chance that I can get this. And then what she did, she took hope and went from being, maybe to putting action to it, which became faith. See, hope, vision always starts with a hope. What are you hoping God will change? Then when you take that hope and you see in the Bible what God wants to change it to. Sickness to healing, broke to rich, you know, um, depressed to free, whatever your hope is, whatever, whatever you see in there, then you have to take it Believe it and you have to put action to it. If you're not putting action to it, then you're not believing in your vision. Alright, so hope starts with the, vision starts with the hope. But then the Bible says she heard that Jesus came. So she didn't lay in bed waiting for Jesus to come to her house. She heard that Jesus come back. Now, see, she heard Jesus. I want you to know, Jesus will change your life. I don't care how bad it is. I, I, I'm here to tell you, nobody in this room's marriage has been in bad a shape as mine has been. But I knew Jesus could fix it. And I'm here to tell you, I'll put dollar on dollar. I got the best marriage in this room. Only person I think that could beat me is that couple over there that's been married for way, way, way longer than I have. All right? But I'm telling you, I I had hope. I I believed that Jesus could. There were days I didn't see it. But I had to try to find hope that He could. You find hope. And then what you do is, you got to put action to it. Just because you hope it, don't mean it's going to happen. That's what you call positive thinking. The Bible actually says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You can spend 2020 hoping that your situation is going to change. I'm here to tell you, it probably won't. There is a chance. There, There is a chance out there that it might. But I can tell you this, if it does by chance, you won't change in it and you won't hold it for long. But if you will take what you're hoping for, Hear what God said about it, and then you will put action to it. She got out of bed. You know she didn't feel good. You know she was weak. She couldn't hire an Uber because she'd already spent all of her money. She actually had to get up, put effort in, and go that way. Well, it didn't say if she rode a donkey so far, but it did say that she walked. So she had to put foot to her thing. Faith is a step you take. And you say, well, Cricket, what step do I take? I'm here to tell you that if you're hoping that your marriage gets better this year, then you need to start taking steps to get that marriage better. we got a marriage class in this church if you don't know any other step to go to. They're about to have a Valentine's thing in just a couple of weeks. We'll be announcing a big next week. Get in with other married couples. Learn how to take steps. If you're saying, I, I need, I'm hoping that God will heal this. Well, you need to get in and get the promises, and then you need to get people to start praying for you. It wouldn't be a service that would go by if I was facing cancer that I didn't come up and ask the elders of the church to anoint me with oil and pray over me and lay hands on me because the Bible says, if, you, if there be any sick among you, bring them to the other church, let them anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and you shall be healed. All right, they would take steps. I'm here to tell you, if she would have waited for Jesus to come to her house, I don't believe He would have came. I think she would have died of this. You say, well, how can you say that? Craig? Jesus Well, the Bible says that when the disciples were in the boat, going through the sea in Mark chapter 4, going through the storm of sea, it says this, it says, and Jesus came walking on the water and it says, He would have passed them by. That's what it says. It says, He would have passed them by. You just don't run to everybody that's just needing help. You need to understand that. We get a wrong concept. He would have passed them by had they not have started crying out. Had they not have put action behind what they were hoping would happen. Because when you put action behind hope, it no longer stays hope. It becomes faith. And all things are possible when you have faith. The Bible says actually this. that With faith, all things are possible. You've you got to put it to faith. So what you do is you look in the Word. Well, you first look at your problem and then you put it on the Word. And when you put it on the Word and you see what God said about that, that gives you hope. When you take that hope and you begin to put actions to it, find financially, if you will, i got to be honest, I'm going to tell you, and you say, are you preaching about my like, No. But if you are broke financially, get in the Bible and see that, see that where it says, give and it shall be given unto you, press down, shake it together, run up. see it, and do it. That's how faith, that's what, how a vision works. And see, the Bible says she got up and she went. But then this is real important. She didn't just go, the Bible says, she said to herself. She said to herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. I would be a, you need to know what you're saying to yourself matters. What you're letting other people say to you. Matters. What comes out of your mouth this year matters. You will have what you say. You say, well, cricket, that doesn't make any sense because there's no scripture in the Old Testament or anywhere up to this point that said that if she, if you could touch his cloak. You're right. That was not, that was never happened before. She wasn't building this thing on theology. She wasn't, what she was building it on, on what her ability was to do. You need to understand this. If this is the the first... uh, That scripture said this. Go back to Habakkuk 2. First it says this. It says, I will... you got to get some determination in your life. 2020 will be the year of manifest vision if you will make some declaration, determination in your life. You get some grit and you decide, I will this year. I will have the best marriage I've ever had. I will have the best job I've ever had. I will... Go spiritually, I will, I will. 2020 will start with your I wills. If you will stay the same, you will be the same. If you will do life like you've always done it, you will have the life you've always had. But if you will, stand and watch. Get in the Word and find what God is saying. Say, I will. Next thing it says, set myself. Position matters. You need to understand, position matters in your life. And I'm done. Position matters. The, 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 there in the anatomy of the vision, but it also said that She said, if I will... Because when she got up that morning, she realized, I'm all the way here, but Jesus is coming by way over there. She knew that positioning, her positioning to where Jesus was, how close she would get to Jesus would determine whether or not the vision that she had would be manifested. She knew that if I stay at home in bed, I'm not going to get what God has for me. I've got to get up, put action to my hope. When I put action to my hope, then I need to make sure I'm as close to Jesus as I can be this year. This year, going into 2020, it will be a year of manifested vision, but you're going to have to get as close to Jesus as you've ever been. You're going to have to decide that He's worth being close to. He's the one that this is going to come from. He's the only one that can fix this situation. So you're going to have to make the determination, I'm going to get as close to Jesus as I will. And whatever has kept me from getting to Him in the past, I'm going to press past or press through. The Bible said there was a crowd separated all around Him. And she had to press through that. i, I got to be honest with you. I had to press myself through a lot of things what people think about me. I had to press myself through a lot of things about the way I feel or the way I think. you got to press yourself through some things and you got to decide I will say what I'm supposed to say if I can but touch I will speak what I'm hoping for I will speak what the word of God says and I will press through what I need to and check this out and I'm done this is what the Bible says see she was at least you know somewhere in her 20's because even if she was born with it from the point of maturity and then 12 years she'd have been in her 20's but She was sick for a long time and she suffered. And she felt very bad because it says, and she felt when the healing came, and Mark said, and she felt the healing came. And she felt well. That means there was a time she felt unwell. So she felt sick. She'd been flowing out. Life had been flowing out of her for so long. I'm sure she was weak. I'm sure she was shaky. I'm sure she hadn't went very far or walked very many distances up to that point because of her condition. And we have a 30-some-odd-year-old man that was in a hurry. You understand, gee, this was just not Jesus strolling down the road that day. He was headed to a young girl's house that was about to die. I'm telling you, our God is a God of need. The Bible says that this, it says, He's a very present help in the time of trouble. So when I picture Jesus walking to this house that needed Him, I don't see Him doing this right here. Man, there was a girl that needed Him, she was about to die. And I figured he was a man on a purpose. And that's why I believe the crowd was behind him because couldn't none of them keep up. Because he was set in purpose. Now this is my belief. You can believe what you want to. I don't know if you've ever been in a bad situation and you felt like God hurriedly got into your situation. Um, but there has been times I've been in bad situations and it felt like God kept going further and farther away. <laughs> and so the Bible said this. She got up and she went. She got on the road he was on. And he was going in that direction. It so says she came up behind him and she pressed through. A sick girl had to walk at a faster pace than a 30-year-old man with a purpose. Now, you got to be under that took effort. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to put some effort to it. you going to have to get up and decide, I'm going to walk as fast as I have to. I'm going to move as far as I have to. I'm going to run after Jesus as much as I need to until I get close enough to touch Jesus. Because this year, if you will position yourself close enough to touch Jesus, you will have what you've been believing God for. This will be a year of manifested vision in your life. Now, you need to know why you got to do this. There has to be a reason why. Why would she do this? It had to be bigger than being well. And I truly believe there's a bigger, because you will not have your manifested vision this year. And you need to understand if there's not connected to a purpose. Most important thing I have said today is that right there. Whatever you need from God has to be connected to a purpose. In First John 3, 8, it says this, for this purpose was the son of God manifest. It says there's, that Jesus didn't come till there was a purpose. It says there wasn't a wasn't a manifestation of Jesus till there was a purpose. It says for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. You want to walk and live twenty twenty in a year where you actually hold what you've been believing God for forever. You connect that want, that need, that desire a purpose now I believe this I, I, and you'll get a letter from me this week about moving into a year of legacy, this year I felt like the Lord told me that this church Eldorada Campus Victory Camden and Victory Ministry have been a legacy church for years but Victory Eldorada we, we've been babies, we've been us, you know for the last ten years we've been us, but what I felt like the Lord told me this year was time for us to put our big girl pants on So I tell my girls all the time, I get them up. And they're like, Dad, I'm tired. Get up and put your big girl pants on. We're going to school. All right. There has to be a purpose. And what God wants to use our church to do this year will be huge. But there has to be a purpose. The purpose our church is moving into is a, a legacy purpose. And that means living life beyond who we are. Living life beyond what we do and what we need. Legacy is us building something that even when we're gone, will still affect our children and our children's children in this city even after we're no longer sitting in these seats. See, we have an opportunity to sit in these seats because 15 years ago there were people that decided that they were going to be a legacy church and so into an area that they didn't belong into. Or they didn't live in. They got bigger than them. And then, boom, here we are. The Lord told me this year, we're to become a legacy church. We're going to build something that will... We're not, because the truth is this. If every one of us quit tomorrow because we rent a building, this building will be gone within a month. Because when we default the first time, this building won't be a church. It more than likely. They've already begun to negotiate with this. will be a department store again. So the Lord tell started telling me, we've got to build something that will be a church even after we're gone. The Lord don't want this church to become... So this year we're beginning the process, and you'll get a letter from me about us going to pro- purchase property because we have four years to purchase and then build. So we're going to build something that this church will be here after all of us are gone. And so we're going to move up. By saying all that, say this. When you understand how to connect your dreams and your hope and your, your desire into legacy, something that will be here beyond you, your healing will come. Let me tell you why I believe this. Jesus said, for this purpose for the Son of God manifest. Why did that girl want to get up so bad and touch him and go through all that? I believe this because that illness she had kept her from having children. And I believe I've met a lot of ladies, and I've I've never met one that did not have a heart for children or desire to have her own. And I know this. You can start it. I'm done. I know this. And you said, Cricket, I don't agree with you. you this is my message. you will let you preach one to me later. I believe she got up and she got tired of living life for herself. And she had a desire on the inside of her from God to want to make a difference in the next generation. Because she was willing to press past things even when they were the worst they'd ever been. I believe she wanted children. And I believe she knew in the conditions she was in, she couldn't have them. Come on, Justin. Come on up. Yeah, he's coming in. She she needed to she needed to touch Jesus so that this issue she was dealing with could be fixed so that she could be a part of another generation. I'm here to tell you. If you can understand that God wants to fix you so bad. Because your children need to see Him fix you. He wants to fix your marriage so that your, your families can see that even though a marriage was broken, God can repair it. He wants to fix you and bless you in a way to affect those around you. If you can connect your desire, your hope, your promises to something bigger than you, I believe this, 2020 will be the year for this purpose was the Son of God manifest. But you've got to understand, touching Jesus is bigger than you. It's bigger than your problem. It's bigger. It's, it's for your children. It's for your children's children. It's for your family that are watching you because they're watching you. They see you get up and go to church. And they're saying their lives no different than mine. Why in the world would I go through all I want you to know something. you connected to a purpose. And Jesus will manifest and show up. So I put this before you this morning. If you're here and you say, Cricket... I've gotten so used to seeing what I'm going through being the same, but I don't don't have a vision. That's what I'm going to pray for you for this morning. I remember my life was so bad. My marriage was so bad. Everything in my life had fallen apart so bad. I literally woke up one morning, lost my wife, lost my kids, and lost my house on the same day. And I looked at it for a long time. Like the story of Job. Done everything right and lost everything. God, why do you hate me so much? And over that three-month period, I began to see it differently. I began to see that He wasn't just allowing this to happen to me. But He was there in it with me. And if I would let this thing push me closer to Him, I could actually see Him being able to fix the impossible because what He did in my life, He fixed the impossible. He will fix the impossible. But I had to connect it back to, because I'd given up on it. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not do it. I didn't let go at all. Some of you guys were there. I gave it all up. But then I saw that He could still be God in it. Yeah. This year, if you can see, God can still be God in it. Oh my goodness. This will be the greatest year of your life. But you say, well, Cricket, I've tried and I can't see it. That's okay, because I want to pray with you, because I still believe God opens blind eyes. I still believe He gives sight to the blind again. And so for those, if you've been so heavy and so underburdened and so unable to see a way out, you're in so much debt, you can't see your way I'm debt-free. That's crazy. Because just a year ago, I was in more debt than my W-2 says I made. I'm debt-free. If you're in so much debt, if you're so depressed, if you're so heavy, you just need to touch God and your eyes be open. Yeah. And this will be begin, the beginning of a year that you cannot even know I have seen, no ears heard the good things that God has in store for you this year. But it starts with the vision.